We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Fay. We go hard. We go hard. And my co-host today, my guest, Jack Manuel. How you doing, Jack? I am super psyched, mate. Nets Nation all the way. I can't believe that I get to record a Nets pod. It's been a dream for the past couple of years. I can't believe an Aussie guy from bloody Footscray, Melbourne is getting on a, a Nets pod with a guy from New York. Who could who who would have thunk it? Exactly. I Jack's up here with my international Nets flavor. Huge Nets fan myself. I'm super pumped for this pod. We're literally looking to be the best Nets pod out. So let us know what you think for sure. We're presented by OTGBasketball.com. You can follow them at OTG Basketball. You can follow me on Twitter at OTG underscore Nick. Jack, what's your Twitter handle? At the JMANJBT. Yeah, and Jack also hosts another pod for OTG, the JBT pod. I'm Nick Fay. I'm the host of this pod, the Brooklyn Buzz pod. I'm also the host of the NBA outlet owner, site manager of OTG Basketball, so huge NBA head, been following the Nets for some time now, had season tickets in New Jersey, been to Barclays a ton of times, ton of playoff games, really excited for this season, but Jack, tell me a little about your Nets fandom. Uh, it spans back a few years, mate. Um, I was, me and my brother were, were home in America, one of the many times we have made it there. Um, he was deciding between the Bulls and the Clippers. He, he settled with the Bulls, um, prayers for him going into this season. <laughs> Um, I was deciding between the Nets and wherever LeBron was at the time, I think Miami. I decided to buck the trend and go with um, the good old Nets thanks to my ridiculous love for New York and Jay-Z. And I haven't looked back since, despite the fact I have maintained the loyalty. And a lot of it is due to the big boy, Brooke Lopez, who unfortunately has left us. But we thank him for his service. And, you know, the all-time franchise scoring leader, Brolo, we can't thank you enough. Yeah, shout out to Brooke. Honestly, my all-time favorite net. You know, Jason Kidd had that until he had to pull that stuff with the coaching and all that. But, oh, God. yeah, Brooke is my guy. 
I love Brooke. It hurt to see him traded, but obviously getting D'Angelo was great. You know, Brooke was on the trading block, it seemed like, every season, and he never complained. And he still played hard every night. And the fact that he, he was just such a gifted offensive center, you know, I felt like he never really got the respect he deserved. So hopefully in L.A. he'll get a little bit more hype and people will be like, wow, this dude can play, especially now that he can shoot the three-point ball. Just hoping the best for Brooke. We love you still in New York, Brooke. Look, I think there's a, a – the fact that he's in an L.A. market and he's on a team with Lonzo Ball – um, he's going to get plenty of hype. And right now, yeah. um, I think he's the best player on the Los Angeles Lakers. By the end of the season, I mean, everyone's calling for Kuzma for the MVP and Hall of Fame already. <laughs> um, but I think Brooke Lopez right now is their best player. Offensively, um, KCP is probably the best defensive player. But um, Brooke Lopez, we can't say enough good things about him. His defense is underrated. Um, he's, his rebounding lacked a little bit, but he's always good for six or seven boards a night. Um, he was... You know, he embodied the the spirit of the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm sure he's super excited as well about the new Star Wars trailer. Um, I'm <laughs> sure he's um, keeping it under wraps, but you know, I'm, he's probably a little bit more excited for, than me, but I'm more excited about this Brooklyn season, this Brooklyn pod. Yeah, I'm super pumped for the Nets season. But quick shot, thank you, Brooke, for what you did with the Nets. But moving on, moving forward, the offseason was great. It started with a bang. They traded Brooke, picked up D'Angelo, obviously the Moscow contract. They picked up Carroll. They picked up Crabb. You know, drafted Jared Allen, a lot of roster turnover once again, but just a lot of hype going to the season. It's super exciting. And, you know, to kind of get a gauge of it, it was still hard, though, win-wise. But after watching the Nets in preseason, we got a lot more. We have a better idea what to expect this team. Let's talk Brooklyn's backcourt first, Jeremy Lin, D'Angelo Russell, and how they did. Yeah, I liked it a lot, Nick. Um, I think a lot of the games, the, of the four games that we saw of them, Early on, it was sort of Russell trying to establish his base there, um, make his name, make his sort of presence felt. Um, he had a little bit of a clash with Kenny um, after that Heat game. Um, he wasn't really happy with the shot selection. But then after that, we saw some um, really improved passing that I was really impressed with. Um, came out with an article, literally, I think that came out today on the OTG um, website, um, talking about the developing chemistry between the two. And um, I'm going to coin the hashtag, and it is going to become a thing. As much as my uh, my fellow JBT host thinks it is not a thing, um, I'm all in on wrestling. Hashtag all in on wrestling because I think that there's a they've got a really good balance to them in terms of their games. Like Russell has really great balance, uh, is a really good shooter. Russell has um, Lynn has really good speed, um, and he's a great rim finisher. And I think they sort of complement each other in really nice ways. Yeah, I mean, I definitely was impressed a little bit. I am a little bit worried about it, though. I felt like D'Angelo was kind of taking over and Jeremy was kind of taking a backseat at some time, and I'm okay with that because obviously you have to go all in for D'Angelo. I think uh, Kenny mentioned it, Kenny Atkinson. You know, he's going to have one of these guys on the floor at all times. And the pairing, I think, will work at some point, but it's going to take a little bit more time to get that chemistry right. You could tell at times it was a little bit like, all right, you run the offense, I'll run the offense, instead of kind of being a smooth thing. Later in the season, I could see them getting a little better chemistry. But as of right now, I almost feel like it's better when only one of them's on the floor because they're both two two playmakers, you know, two very good playmakers for the Nets, and they don't really have a ton of other guys that can do that. So long as they have one of them on the floor, it just feels so great. Like D'Angelo specifically, he really impressed me. I was already pretty hyped about him going to the season, but the way he played in preseason, yeah, he had a couple bad shots but you could just see that scoring potential. And like you mentioned, he was able to thread the needle on a few passes, and that was beautiful. If you can kind of keep yep. those numbers up, he averaged around 17, uh, four assists, two steals, which was very impressive. He was definitely a lot yep. better defensively than you know what we expected. 
and you know, 43% from the field, 35% from three, you know, get that up a little bit. I mean, I could think D'Angelo is going to have a big year for the Nets. Yeah, I think you mentioned that defense there, Nick, which was a real surprise. I think um, that's what Coach Kenny wanted from him. Um, you know, when we picked him up on that press up, like we really wanted to work on the defensive and because we know the offensive um, capabilities are there. Um, he was also fourth in deflections per game as well um, behind, you know, James Harden, Josh Richardson and Victor Oladipo. Um, so we know that he's active there. And, and I think that's what you need from, from your point guards. They don't have to be a, a CP3, a Patrick Beverly. But if they're active enough within the, the offense and the defense, then it's, it's going to come. Um, and that, the sort of motion offense and defense that the Nets play, uh, I think suits D'Angelo Russell's play a lot. Um, I'm all in on Russell in and I'm, I'm, I'll make a hot take about uh, D'Angelo Russell later, but I'll save that for a bit later in this pod. Yeah, plenty of hot takes later on in this pod, I think. But like you said, D'Angelo, that defense, you know, he's 6'5", so he's not the quickest guard. He's not going to be able to lock guys up. But if he can use his length and play smart, it can really help this team. And, you know, where he might not be a great on-ball defender, but if he can be a great, you know, help defender in defense, you know, getting those passing lanes, that can make a difference. And this Nets team is young. They're going to want to run. So the more steals, the better. And Jeremy, like, he struggled a little bit in preseason. His shooting definitely wasn't there from the field, shooting only 40%. He did have a nice, you know, shots from three. Turnovers were up, but I think the turnover issue for both guys was just a little bit of a lot of new faces. You know, guys not really knowing where everybody's going to be at this time. So it's definitely something I'm going to be watching all year in terms of will they mesh perfectly together or will the Nets be better off kind of, you know, let D'Angelo play, D'Angelo comes out, put in Jeremy, or kind of mix them up only for a few minutes a game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, whether the the lineups change. I mean, you mentioned Kenny's wants to have one of them out there at all times because they're both great floor generals. Um, but whether later in the season, one of, I can't see D'Angelo being moved to the bench, but there is a possibility that Jeremy Lin could come off as a sixth man and, and someone like Karis LeVert could replace him in the starting lineup or even an Alan Crabb. Um, we know Jeremy Lin is, is, is an elite offensive guard and, and that role he played in Charlotte um, and even to a lesser extent in... in in LA and in Houston, he's great off the bench. But um, right now, I think his leadership and um, his knowledge of the of Atkinson's system is going to have an impact on D'Angelo. And I think they're going to work it out. Um, it's still early days. And, and Jeremy Lin mentioned after one of the games, he's like, you know, we'll take the preseason with a grain of salt. And, um, you know, the real stuff starts in a couple of days um, when we take on the paces. Yeah, agreed. And I think a lot of things could change. You know, Jeremy Lin could be that steadying force in the starting lineup to kind of keep things running smoothly. I definitely agree with you. I think D'Angelo is a lock to start. I think they just have too much invested in him. They, you know, they want him to really be that guy. Jeremy could possibly move to the bench. We'll talk about him a little bit more later in another segment. And let's move on to another guy who impressed though in preseason. That was Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You know, Rondé, it's kind of almost, I don't want to say a make or break season, but people are really expecting a jump. They expected a little bit bigger jump last year and they didn't get it. But in preseason, Rondé just looked a lot more mature. Like Kenny Atkinson mentioned, he thinks Rondé kind of took that next step in his game. He's really improved from the mid-range, playmaking, defense, leading the fast break. He's really fit great in that forward position. Yeah, I think it um, gets lost uh, amongst uh, the fact that um, um, the hyphen, as uh, the boys like to call him, he's only 22. I also have a hyphen in my name. I also have a hyphen <laughs> in my name. Nicholas well, Decent Fay is my full name if you didn't know that. All right, so I guess we're going to have to get the our, both of our hyphens jerseys or get them, get them hooked up somehow. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure someone someone down the media department down at, uh, in Brooklyn will, will hook us up. Make but, it happen. Make it happen for sure. But I think one thing that gets lost amongst it all, Nick, is the fact that Rondé's only 22 years old. 
Like yep. on the roster, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, and Isaiah Whitehead are the only guys that are younger than him. He's had experience, but he's still his game and his craft is still improving. Um, you know, he's one of the only guys from the Billy King days. But I think, as you mentioned, he's found his role within the system, and he looks. I think the key word is he's comfortable. Um, his length, his speed. Um, he's taking the right shots, like you mentioned, like within the basket, that back to the basket within like 15 feet or so. Um, he's shooting 67% from the field this preseason. Yes, it's been three or four games, but... A lot of tough shots too. Exactly, and he's taking the right ones. Um, you know, his three-point shot is developing, but he's certainly get, getting that comfort with it. And I think, you know, that seven-foot-three wingspan um, is just something that's a real asset as well and can allow the Nets to, to have some versatility in some of their lineups. Um, he struggled against... Um, when playing smaller lineups against Joel Embiid. But I mean, who, yeah, exactly. Who isn't going to struggle against a guy who's probably right now, probably the most talented offensive and defensive center in the NBA. So I think if the lineups are right for him, um, Rondo's going to have a great season. Um, I just hope that this builds him to bigger and better things going into the, uh, the regular season. Yeah. Like you mentioned, he's so young. He's the longest tensured net. And I think he just provides the team with so much of that four position. One thing I love, you know, three things, some things I really love about basketball. I love spacing and I love switchability. Obviously, Rondé's still improving his three-point shot, but his switchability on defense, you know, he can guard some fives in this league. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of fives that can't really do much in the post. Like you mentioned, Joel Embiid's going to give everybody a hard time, but I like the speed he brings to the defense, the length, like you mentioned, and then the fact he can just grab a rebound and start the break. You know, that's yeah. a really underrated thing, especially for the Nets who play at such a high pace. You know, if the three-point shot never comes, it might still work out for him. But like you said, only 22, he could spend the next four years working on a three-point shot. And then by the time he's 26, he's got a complete game. You know, he could be a really nice piece for the Nets. And I'm really excited and happy for him. You know, I'm happy yeah. because he's somebody the Nets invested in. You know, from, they still from the Billy King dates, like you mentioned. And he's able to kind of stay in this team and really, really have the possibility to be a good player in this league. Yeah, to me, he's been sort of the embodiment of how this Brooklyn team has grown since Kayshawn or Kenny and Sean Marks have come since they've arrived. Like, he's sort of developed as as Kenny and Sean have developed the system within the Nets organization. And Rondé has sort of been um, symptomatic of what's been happening with that. He's grown as a person. He's grown. His leadership has grown. Um, he's gotten older. And with that, his game has improved. I think... Um, Kenny and, and Sean Marks have been just absolutely amazing for him. And um, I think he's going to have a really, really good season. And, and like you mentioned, the, his ability to switch and play against, you know, maybe even some five. Like, you know, we see Draymond Green at six foot seven playing the five. And there's talk of Patrick Patterson, PJ Tucker playing at the five. I think, depending on the lineups, I don't think we can obviously compete with those um, top Western Conference teams. Um, but we can certainly use his speed and his versatility to, um, you know, stretch some of those, you know, bigger teams and, and, and make them um, come up against us. Exactly. And I think that's something Kenny's mentioned, that he's going to play Rondé a little bit at the five, a little Trevor Booker at the five. He's going to try to go small, change it up. And I think it's really something that's going to be fun to watch all year long. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on Rondé and we're really hoping for a big season. But let's talk about the rest of the front court. And preseason, especially against Joel Embiid, like we mentioned, you know, nobody's really going to stop Embiid. But the Nets front court could be in some trouble when they face elite bigs. Like, they really do not have anybody they can throw on, somebody that can do work in the post, any type of, you know, center that can work down low. Like, Moskov, like, he's good against bruisers, 
but he doesn't really have the speed to match anybody else. Jared Allen's still a rookie. Tyler Zeller, you know, he's just going to kind of be a bench piece. So unless Allen could step up, I could see the front court being a major issue against elite bigs. I'll put it to you, Nick. Um, we talked about our boy, Brooke Lopez. Um, who do you, and not that there's that much of a difference and that it matters dramatically, but who do you think would be more valuable in the defensive end out of Brooke Lopez and Timothy Moscow? Who would you prefer to have purely on the defensive side of things? It's a really tough decision. If we're including rebounding on defense, I might go with Mozgov because the Nets yep. just have a real issue with that. But in terms of rim protector, I always felt Brooke was a little bit underrated as a rim protector. Okay. I think the fact that he was able to block so many shots without even jumping, I think says a lot about his size and length. But both guys, they just struggle in the pick and roll too. And against fast guys that can move their feet, they just really don't have much of a chance. And that's not saying they're bad players. I love Brooke. But, you know, when you match him up against somebody quick, he's going to get killed. Yeah, definitely. And that's where I think um, players like Trevor Booker and Quincy Acey could be key when it comes to defending players like Boogie Cousins, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Kyle Anthony Towns. Um, they're certainly going to have to switch those lineups um, because, you know, we will get bullied down low. And you know, te- those five players, those four players are going to bully anyone down low because they're just elite um, on both ends of the floor. Um, so I think it, it's going to be a, a sort of mix and match um, and see how things go. You know, if you want to get Jared Allen out there for a few minutes, see what it's like to play against these elite guys. Take him out, put Mozgov onto him for a couple more minutes. See how if we can stretch them with Booker and AC and, and outrun them a little bit, um, those twin towers out in New Orleans. Um, but we certainly did struggle against Joel Embiid. And I mean, so did the Miami Heat and so did Hassan Whiteside. And he's an elite big um in the nba right now so it just proves that despite our lack of depth in that position um i think it's probably one of the waning not to say dying positions in the nba but you know because of the the rise of small ball with the warriors and and the past few years um i think our versatility there with you know players like ac ronde booker um mozgov obviously has the height and and the bruising sort of he, he can rebound quite well um I think we've still got a little bit of flexibility there, but you know, Jared Allen will develop. Um, he he had some, he had his moments, but again, he, he's a baby. Um, he's I don't know, his afro is probably his best defensive asset right now until he develops. <laughs> um, that wingspan is obviously outstanding, and it's probably one of the best in the NBA. Um, but he needs to get third. That best, sorry, Jack, yeah. to cut you off. I think he has the third highest reach behind only like Rudy Gobert and Giannis Antetokounmpo when you combine vertical and standing reach. So, and that says and that says something right there. And I mean, if he can, um, it's a it's going to be a process for him. And I, I think Kenny is going to throw him into the wolves a couple times this season because you know we're not bound by any playoff expectations. Um, we want to develop these guys, especially a Jared Allen. We, he, he was our number one pick this year. Um, and I think that there's a, a, a lot of upside with him. And I think Kenny and Sean were really big on him going into the draft. So I think um, he, he's going to see some significant minutes despite the fact that going into the season, um, it looked like he might spend some time in the G League. But I think there's going to be a, a trial by fire for him for a little bit. Yeah, touch on a few points of what you said. Like you mentioned, the Nets are going to be a little bit weaker in the, in the big position, but I think Kenny will be able to kind of attack them with scheme, having a lot of quick guys on the floor, you know, a lot of double teams, rotation. But in terms of Jared Allen, I was impressed what I saw in preseason. Like you said, I was expecting more of a G League type season, but I think he'll see minutes this year. The wingspan was evident as soon as he got on the floor. Just his ability that you have to respect him on the roll because he can finish oops. 
and he hit a three in preseason, which is very interesting. If Kenny Atkinson's able to give him a three-point shot, moving forward, that would be a huge piece for the Nets. Like his upside is a lot higher than I anticipated when they first drafted him. I really like what I've seen from Allen. I think he mentioned he might have grew a few inches this summer. Yeah, and that's just massive. Like the fact that he's still a baby um, as well. Like he's still obviously going to be growing. I think it was like Giannis or, or, or a player of the like that, that, that was like that they grew a few inches, or it might have been Ingram. Um, sorry, Ingram yeah, in the yeah, preseason. Yeah. He's like at seven foot now. Um, and so these guys are still their bodies are still developing. I think um, one thing Alan has to work on just to, as a little bit of an improvement is just to get that experience, just to get his hands a, a bit stickier. And, and by that, I yep. mean just like being able to finish those rolls with the oops. I mean, he did a couple of times, um, but those screen and rolls where he, he might develop a nice partnership with Lynn and Russell is if he can finish them and be a bit stronger, a bit more clean with his hands. But that comes with time. That comes with experience. You know, you don't see guys like you know, Dwight Howard and that every sort of those bigs that make an immediate impact. Um, it takes them a few years. You know, Rudy Gobert has only become a real force in the past two seasons. Um, Joel Embiid took two years for his body to get right. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think there's huge upside and huge potential for him, like the rest of the net squad. Yeah, and I think Allen will be a guy that just benefits from being in the NBA, getting the treatment, adding the size. And I think, you know, they're looking for him to be somebody like a DeAndre Jordan, except with a jump shot. So really something fun to keep an eye on. Just, you know, we're going to always try to point out on this podcast all the exciting parts about the Nets. We're going to be optimistic. Even if the season's bad, we're still going to find out the bright spots. But talking about bright spots, we didn't even mention it. The Nets went 3-1 and one in preseason, which yeah. is great. Like seeing team, your team win games is definitely fun, especially three out of four. And it was def, it's always fun when you see the Knicks get blown out. I, I live for that. But, I love uh, it. <laughs> one reason they were able to play so well is their three-point shooting. Seven guys shot over 35%. Five guys shot over 40%. Obviously, this is preseason, but I feel like you can already tell the Nets are going to be a lot better on the three-point shooting this season. When you add Alan Crabb, the Second best, I think, or second best, I think, from memory um, yep. last year from the three-point line. It immediately changes your offense. Um, Damari Carroll, uh, I mentioned to you um, off-air, Nick, in, in, before a pod we did with the OTG, um, the fact that his legs looked really good. Like, it just his ability to just jump and he, the energy that he was getting, um, he, he looked really tired and, and waning with the Raptors last year, but he seems to be reinvigorated by um by coach kenny and obviously he has that history with um with atlanta as well so i think a lot of the guys uh have the green light and like you know mozgov shot i think it was two threes as well and you know that style looked so much like brooke lopez um obviously brooke shot like far more and, and had like that higher volume but you know mozgov was hanging out on the wing <laughs> sometimes and, and he was given the green light and yeah. when you're empowered i think Ke coach kenny despite the fact that, you know, he gives them the power to do so, um, he doesn't want players taking bad shots and he still wants to play within that motion offense system. So I think um, the signs were very promising and, and the loss to the Sixers, I think was needed in a way yeah. because there was a lot of hype. Um, we beat the, the Knicks twice, we beat the Heat, um, but a loss sort of uh, makes the team reevaluate things, goes, okay, look, this is where we need to sort of think about it. And Lynn... Um, in, in his post-match press conference, put it best. He's like, you know, we, we haven't done anything yet. This is preseason. We need to refocus, realign, and, you know, get that energy going into the real season. And I think the wins show what we can do. The loss shows what we need to do.
Yeah, I agree. And I think it kind of humbled them a little bit. You know, if they went 4-0, I mean, I would have been extremely surprised, but they also would have probably had some irrational confidence going into the season. The fact that they lost the last yeah. one and got owned, like they didn't even get just beat, they got bodied. So I think that really is going to help them and kind of pick it up. And like you mentioned, Demar Carroll has looked a lot better, and he's mentioned it about a million times that he's finally healthy. And I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do because people are like, oh, Demari Carroll, he's trash, he's washed up. The Nets, if they get a first-round pick and a second-round pick and a solid Demari Carroll this season, that trade is going to be a steal. And the Nets need some steals in the trade category after what happened with Boston. Definitely. All about the assets and just making something out of what we get. Um, you know, Something Mozgov, out of nothing. Something out of nothing, exactly. I mean, Mozgov is on a wildly outrageous contract, but right now he's our best center. So, like, we need him. Um, yeah. Demari Carroll is probably going to start. Um, I would be surprised if he does come off the bench. I think because... Um, that leadership that he brings, um, that knowledge of, of Coach Kenny and the relationship that he has with him, his ability to spread the floor like so many others, um, so many other players for the Nets. Um, yeah, I think he can be a real asset. And I think, you know, we keep churning out assets. Um, you know, it just makes Sean Mark's life so much easier going into 2019 when we finally get our first round pick back. Yeah, and I think Carroll, you know, not only will he bring that leadership in the shooting, but I think defensively he's a solid player. He's somebody going to do yep. what Kenny wants. He's going to know the system. And I think Kenny mentioned it. It's just like it's crazy how their relationship is still like so great like it was in Atlanta. It's like nothing changed. So, And a quick shout-out to somebody who also did great from the three-point line, Joe Harris. Joe yes. Harris has been impressive. He's somebody that I slept on. I'll be honest. You know, I was Maybe he was the guy that doesn't see minutes or he's that, that cut they have to make or trade or throw in or something. But – if he can be a great three-point shooter, having him and Crab is going to be a nice asset and give Kenny a lot of options making plays offensively. Yeah, I think a lot of the plays that we've seen in this preseason are, are utilizing that three-point shot. And Joe Harris can literally just be that guy. He can be you know, a Kyle Korver light version. Um, That's what he wants form, to be. Exactly. And and his form is, is, is butter. Um, it, it's, it's, just, it's super wet. Like it's, if you're teaching someone how to shoot a three-point shot, you go to... Kyle Korver, you go to Joe Harris, you go to Clay Thompson. They, they just, it, it's perfect. So I think Joe Harris will see, and he has really great energy. Like he, he seems always ready when he comes in. He's not afraid yeah. to just go bang, um, which I think, because obviously he's not going to start uh, ahead of the likes of Alan Crabb, D'Angelo Russell, and, and that stacked backcourt, even like a Karis Levert. But if he can come on for, for 15, 20 minutes and, and give you, you know, three, five, three pointers again, that can turn into 10, 15 points in a matter of minutes. Exactly, and he's just somebody else you have to respect defensively, and it gives the Nets more spacing. So definitely, you know, three-point shooting, I think, is probably going to be one of the most impact important factors this season. Early on in the offseason, I did a little thread on my personal Twitter account. You can follow me at OTG underscore Nick, and I'll probably be tweeting a lot about the Nets this season. But I mentioned how if you just took the three-point shooting from last season and, you know, did the attempts a net shot, they would have boosted their differential in points a lot, and they probably would have won – maybe 10 more games. So I think that's definitely something that's going to make or break the net season is three-point shooting, especially with Kenny's system. But you mentioned Amari Carroll, mentioned starting lineup. Give me your starting lineup for opening night. I gave mine on the preview pod, but I'm probably going to change it up because things have been a little different than what I expected. Yeah, they've remained cagey. I'm keeping you on Nets Daily today. They're still Sean Marks is still keeping it under wraps. Um, but if we look at um, take as an indicator there, um, that last game against the Sixers, um, what Coach Kenny went with was Jeremy Lin at the point, Russell at the shooting guard, 
Um, Jeremari, Carroll at the three, Ronda at the four, and Mozgov at the five. Um, I see that as likely staying the same unless Alan Crabb comes in for one of Jeremari or more likely Ronda. Um, but I like the defensive capabilities that Ronda gives you and Crabb coming off the injury. And everyone's saying because he's on the, the richest contract that he has to start. And I'm like, that doesn't have to be the case by any stretch of the imagination. You you start what it doesn't i think the whole starter controversy doesn't really matter like because you know you can have players like alan crab can play 30 minutes a night coming off the bench and rodney can play 25 or damari Carroll can play 25 it doesn't necessarily matter it, it i think it's the balance in chemistry so i think that he's likely to go with the um unless something changes and it depends on you know what they want against that pacer squad um to sort of exploit. I, I think they're likely to stay the same and go with Lynn, Russell, Carroll, Ronde, and Moskov. Yeah, if you had a gun to my head right now and I had to pick a lineup, I'd probably go with that one. But I, like you said, I could see Crab getting in there and either sending Carroll or Ronde to the bench and sliding, you know, having Carroll or Ronde play at the four. But I think Kenny's got to like what he saw in preseason. You know, he's got to like what this team can do. And having two playmakers like a Lynn and a D'Angelo Russell and even to a smaller extent, a Ronde Hollis-Jefferson, it could really work out. And like you said, the, Kenny plays his guys a lot. He's going to play a ton of guys, a ton of minutes. So it's going to be spread out. If Crab doesn't start, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm, I'm not that concerned about it. Like, a lot of, like you said, a lot of people are concerned, like, oh, he makes so much money, he needs to start. I don't think it's a issue because he's still going to see minutes. He's still going to see shots. He's going to see plenty of opportunities. Do you think, Nick, that there's any time during the season where – uh, a Karis Levert could come and start. Um, there's been a lot of, I mean, the hype train for, for Karis is huge and, and I'm I'm right on board for it. Do you think there's any way that he could uh, make his way into the starting lineup throughout the season? Uh, I think it's, I mean, let me tell you, I've been on the Karis Levert hype train since he came in his rook, his r- first rookie game when he got the steal and he just looked so quick. I was like, damn, yeah. that, man, that man looks quick and he's coming off an injury. I was in love with Karis Levert and he's probably... You know, he could, he's probably my favorite current net because they traded Brooke Lopez. So Karis LeVert is my guy. I could definitely see a situation where they elect to start him, especially if he improved the way that Kenny Atkinson talked about on this offseason. I think his ability to fit so many different roles. You know, he can pass the ball. He can shoot the ball. He can score the ball. He can play defense. He can rebound a little bit. He can go on the fast break. I just like his skill set. But that would probably mean Jeremy Lin moving to the bench or something we might talk yeah. about a little bit later. Jeremy Lin possibly getting traded. I think that's a real possibility of, you know, these young guys really step up. But we'll talk about that yeah, a little in a little bit. Who do you think is going to be the odd man out in this rotation? You know, give me a few guys that you think a lot of people thought going to the season we're going to see good minutes, but eh, they're not really going to see him when it comes game time on, on Tuesday, on um, Wednesday. Look, that guard, um, that guard glut is huge. Um, you, know, you look at Spencer Dinwiddie, you look at Isaiah Whitehead, um, Sean Kilpatrick. Um, uh, they really like um, Kenny and, and Sean have mentioned um, Sean, um, not Sean Kilpatrick, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's ability. He, he shot about 38% from the three as well. He, he was a really nice piece in the preseason. Underrated. Uh, he's still four years old as well. I think um, Isaiah and, and Kilpatrick are, are likely to be the odd man's out because you mentioned Joe Harris as well having a great preseason. But I will say that less in the fact that we have the depth there because, you know, Damari Carroll could get an injury. Um, Alan Crabb could get an injury. He had an early ankle injury. Uh, God forbid that um, Jeremy Lin has more injury troubles going into the season. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, exactly. Um, so I think the fact that we have depth at that position, um, at the, the most important position in at 
at point guard really helps us. So while Whitehead may not see as many minutes, and while Kilpatrick, who had that outstanding you know season-defining game against the Clippers, won us that game, um, was outstanding, I think he's still a part of this Nets roster, and I think... Coach Kenny is one of those guys that I don't think will, you know, mince words with him. I think he's going to be like, look, right now you're not part of it, but you will see minutes if such and such happens. Or, you know, if we want to play, you know, we want to sort of stagger the minutes of um, our veteran players and stuff. So I think those are some of the guys that you might see, um, won't see as much of the floor. Um, I'm a glass half full guy, and I think that it helps us to have that depth. Yeah, definitely helps. There's going to be injuries, and we know Kenny Atkinson likes to play a lot of guys, so injuries do happen. But I feel like uh, Isaiah and Sean Kilpatrick are going to be the two guys, like you mentioned, and obviously like a Tyler, Tyler Zeller aren't going to see minutes. I think, but it does give Atkinson the great upper, you know, the great choice to have that depth. You know, maybe the team's a little stagnant. You bring in a guy like Isaiah Whitehead or a Sean Kilpatrick. That's that, like that instant energy, that extra quick pop, or yes. like you know, you're you're down on offense, you can't score any points. Bring in Kilpatrick. You know, he's a guy, he can get hot real quick. Like you mentioned, that game against the Clippers was amazing. And it's just a great, it's great tools for a coach to have when you have depth. Last year, the Nets were playing players that, you know, to be honest, might not even be in the NBA anymore or just were fringe NBA players or they were playing guys that had no experience and needed to sit on a bench for a whole season. So this year, having guys that have that experience and they can really move forward. You mentioned, I love Spencer Dinwiddie. I think he's a very underrated piece. And I mentioned to you, I think probably like 10 times already that, I think that he's a great point guard, a great backup point guard to have moving forward because he doesn't turn the ball over. He can shoot the three ball. He plays defense. He has some nice length, and he's still young and kind of working on his game. I see him as sort of like a, a Sean Livingston light with a three point with a three point shot. Um, and I yep. know how much you love Livingston. Um, and the fact that he's got that three point shot, the fact that he's got youth because you know Livingston had that history of injuries. So basically, he might be thirty, so but he's a twenty five year old um, by the fact of his experience. So yeah, I agree. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a huge piece going into the season. Perfect, perfect backup point, point guard. Yeah, and he likes Dragon Ball Z, so that's always a plus in my book. Can't not <laughs> love that. I can't believe he hasn't tweeted out our link on OTG yet about how article on NBA players and their DBZ equivalents. Get on it, Spencer. Come on, mate. Come on, man. Show us some love. But we, I mentioned it, that trading block. You know, who do you think on the Nets is most likely to be traded this season? Which guy do you think will get moved if some of these young pieces really step up? I'll throw two names at you, Nick. Um, Jeremy Lin. So Jeremy Lin's 29 this season. He's on a really nice friendly contract that a lot of teams will like, especially if they're looking for an, an elite backer. He's on basically $12 million a year, becoming an unrestricted free agent in 2019. Um, he doesn't. He probably doesn't fit, you know, the Kayshawn timeline. Um, despite the love for him out in Brooklyn, if Marks gets an offer that he can't refuse, I'd be surprised if he doesn't take it. And then Trevor Booker, um, he's really valuable on an expiring contract. Um, but unlike Lynn, I just like his fit and his energy way too much. I, I think if we were to get rid of Lynn, Booker has to stay. And if we were to get rid of Booker, Lynn has to stay. Uh, both of them have great experience and leadership and are a great locker room presence. Um, they just loved, and, and I mean, Jeremy Lin is just, uh, he's my dude. I, I, just, I love his eloquent eloquence. I love his personality. I love what he brings, the fandom that he brings to us as well. So it'd be sad to see him go, but at the same time, if we get like a, a, a an early second rounder or a, or a late first rounder for him, um, then I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Marks makes the, the, the move. 
Yeah, if D'Angelo really steps up and has a great season and he takes over and it's his team, I know you mentioned your article he has a high usage rate, and that's something I can see happening moving forward because it's not like he was terrible with the ball in his hands. I really liked watching him, and he's fun to watch. Yeah. And Jeremy, like you said, he's a veteran, and, and he can really help a competing team, giving them that backup point guard or that combo guard you bring off the bench. He's just a steadying force. And then you mentioned Trevor Booker. I think it would maybe be a little bit harder to trade Booker in the sense that the Nets don't really have much depth in that front court. But yeah. if they get a deal that's on the table, that'll really help them. Like you said, the contract and the fact that Booker's a guy that'll come in and fill a role. But one more name I'll throw out there. I could see them maybe moving Sean Kilpatrick too. It's an amazing contract, but in the in the pieces moving forward, they have plenty of guards and they don't necessarily need him. I like what he's done. You know, he's, he's a great story. An undrafted guy that's really worked his way into the NBA but I think there's a role for him on another team where he could really give them a scoring punch. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that's mentioned. Yeah, that's fair. And especially if the the front office are looking at more, you know, front office, uh, not front court options um, in the yeah. draft or, you know, on, on the vet minimums, I, I think that it's, it gives us a bit more balance um, if we were to get rid of Kilpatrick. But at the same time, we mentioned the depth. Um, you can't have too many guards in today's NBA, especially playmakers and guys who can score. Yeah, and then injuries. Like you said, injuries just kill everything. So having guys around is definitely awesome. But let's get to the hot takes. Let's get to the bold predictions. Give me some bold predictions from a team perspective, and then give me some from a player. We'll talk team first, though. Give me your team bold prediction and your hot takes. My hot take is that I think the Nets are going to go 6-2 and two to start the first eight games of this season. Um, taking a look at their fixtures today, um, you know they've got Indiana away, Magic at home, Hawks at home, Magic away. Cavs at home, Knicks away, Denver at home, at the Suns at home. So there's only really two games you can say that are guaranteed losses there. Um, and they're not they even guaranteed. Take, they could take a win away from Denver at home as well. Um, you know, the Cavs are, are certainly very unlikely. But, you know, um, the Magic aren't anything to um, ride home about. Neither are the Hawks, uh, neither Indiana. Um, if they get off to a hot start, baby, the, the Nets could be in playoff contention come the All-Star break. I think that getting to a hot start, I know uh, we were going to talk about that, but we're short on time. But I think that the Nets getting to a hot start could be huge for this team. Young team, didn't have much success last year. Obviously, post-All-Star break, they were good. Well, they weren't good. They were still, they were solid. And if they're able to get off that hot start, like you mentioned, I think you know the first eight games, the first 10 games, they have a lot of winnable matchups. And this will give us a better gauge. Obviously, it's still early on, so chemistry is a thing. But if they can kind of beat up these – teams that are that some people had them as the same level as or you know we might think that they're a little bit better that could be huge for them and I think I think I'm going to do a hot take and I really think that the Nets are going to compete for the eighth seed I'm not willing to bang my buck and say yeah they're making the playoffs for sure but I think that they're going to do a lot better than people think I think I'm I'm locking them in for over 30 wins love it I uh, love it and 30 and 37 38 wins gets you a playoff spot in the east like you know maybe less this year <laughs> maybe even less this year especially when you look at players like when teams like detroit and philly charlotte have had that injury with um nicholas batum it's it's going to be a free-for-all for that eighth seed and but let me defend my points a little bit in the fact that i think the nets are going to win 30 games i think kenny atkinson's a very good coach i think people will start to realize wow, you give this guy a little bit of talent, they can actually win some games. The Nets played damn hard last season for the trash that they had on the roster. You know, at, at nights they were putting out players where they should probably have got blown out by 40 points and they lose by five or they just blow a fourth-quarter lead. Nets blew tw uh, plenty of leads last season. So I think the addition of somebody like a D'Angelo Russell and Alan Crabb, a Damari Carroll, just a lot of guys that have chips on their shoulder. And I think 
D'Angelo is going to light it up this year. I'm ready to kind of hop on that Nets hype train. I think that three-point shooting is going to be lights out a lot better than last season. Yeah, I think we were in the the bottom. I think it was a twenty third off the top of my head for the three pointers made now percentage. So, and we were um, top just, five in attempted. A t- yeah, third or fourth in attempts. So I think you know if we can get around to that middle range, that's an extra you know ten wins for you, probably right there almost. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what's going to be the difference. I think having guys like Alan Crabb and improved Joe Harris, a D'Angelo Russell, just some obviously losing Brook is going to hurt, but I think they're going to be able to make up for it with pieces around the table and just have a lot better percentage from three. So they're going to shoot a ton more threes. And even if they only go up a couple percentages, like we said, into that middle pack, you know, between that 10 and 20 range, could be really nice for this offense. Defensively, there's still a lot of questions and they're going to have to improve. But I'm ready to hop on the Nets being a lot better than a lot of – there's like a – the Nets are a tough team to gauge on NBA Twitter. Half of – half the people have them competing for an eight seed. The other half have them as still as the worst team in the league. So it's like – yeah, half of them are Cavs fans and just don't want us to do well so they can get true. that nice pick. <laughs> true, true, that too. You know, a lot of, and a lot of people, let's be honest, when you're talking about the Nets, they don't care. They're like, oh, they were bad last year. They're worst team in the league. I'm not going to check on their moves. It's not like they didn't – they added a ton of pieces. There's a ton of roster turnover. So I think it's easy for people to be like, oh, wash them under the table. They're not going to be good. But you're sleeping on Kenny. You're sleeping on Sean, Sean Marks in the front office, and you're sleeping on some of these young pieces. I think Karis LeVert is a guy – that either is well-known on NBA Twitter or people just don't know who he is. Same thing with Rondé. He has a little bit more notability, but I think after this season, they're going to really establish their name. Definitely. Let's go bold predictions for the players. I'm going uh, I'm going really big here. I'm going D'Angelo Russell makes the All-Star game this year. Uh, I made a sneaky reference to this on the JVT preview pod with uh, my boy Nick. And to me, it's not that outlandish when you can analyze it. So Kyrie and John Wall are are locks at the point guard position. But after that, it's a little bit of a free-for-all. Kemba Walker, Kyle Lowry, Goran Dragic are probably more likely. But all three of those guys have question marks. Kemba Walker, you know, has had, um, you know, so many injuries to the rest of his teammates. Kyle Lowry has age. Um, Goran Dragic is also getting up in age and was unlikely to make it last year. So I think... And the fanfare for D'Angelo has been huge, uh, especially out, you know, he's in the huge market out in New York. So I'm going to make the big call and go, D'Angelo makes the All-Star game this season. And if not, then I reckon he's got to at least in the next year or two. I think it's a real possibility. You know, like you mentioned, the East isn't super talented. Kemba, obviously, and Lowry and Dragic all have a better opportunity. But the Nets, the Nets and D'Angelo's fan base will kind of help boost him up probably a little bit. And if he can put up the numbers... You know, someone's going to have to take a lot of shots in this team. Brooklyn's shots are going to be there. So I think D'Angelo, my hot take is going to be D'Angelo averages 20 a game or more. I think yeah. he could average 20 and five. I think that's a real possibility. I said on the Nets preview pod, I didn't think it think it was going to happen. But after watching him in preseason and just the fact about hearing what the Nets are saying about him and they want him to be that guy, I just think that everything's going to kind of click. And the fact that not only did things not work out in L.A., but Magic Johnson had to throw some shade and be like, oh, we wanted somebody who was a leader. Like, I'm sorry that a 21-year-old kid isn't ready to lead grown men that have been in the league for a while, especially when one of them is one of the all-time greats in Kobe Bryant. So I'm not ready. Like, obviously, he had that whole issue with Nick Young and all that. But like I said before, it's not like Nick Young wasn't doing anything bad in that situation either. So I'm okay with uh, D'Lo, and I think he's going to mature a lot in Brooklyn. And so far, I've liked everything I've seen off-court from him. The relationship with the players, what he's done on, you know, out off the court. I just think it's been really good and I'm pumped. I'm super hyped. And like, 
I have a jersey curse. I don't know if I've told you this before. So I ordered a Brook Lopez. Yeah. yeah, I ordered a Brook Lopez jersey like probably a month or two before the draft. The Nets had some really good deal because obviously they switched from Adidas to Nike. Got it real cheap. Didn't even get to wear it once. Brook was traded. The jersey I got before that, that was a Darren Williams jersey. Less than, <laughs> less than a year later, he was cut by the team. Jersey I had before that, Devin Harris. Next thing you know, he was traded for Darren Williams. Jersey I had before that. Uh, Vince Carter. Vince Carter obviously was traded. I got good use out of that one. My Jason Kidd swingman jersey, I got that. I literally had it for a month. Next thing, traded to Dallas. So, so Nick, you have to buy a Sean Kilpatrick jersey before <laughs> anyone else. Okay, please. I, yeah, I mean, like, my problem is I really want to get a Karis LeVert and a D'Angelo Russell jersey. Yeah, I'm I, in on that. I, I mean, like, they're untouchable, but, like, are they going to get eventually get traded because I cursed them? I don't know. But <laughs> the struggle is real. The struggle is certainly real, mate. I, I, look, there's the Kardashian curse for, for many of the players. Uh, I hope the Faye curse doesn't strike again in Brooklyn. I know. I really don't. I, I just might not get the guys, at least not for another year or when they sign a contract extension, just to be safe. Got to keep the Nets first before my own personal. Well, we got them on the qualifying offers. I think we offered them. Um, so we're keeping them for another year at least. I think Harris yeah. and D'Angelo yep. and those young guys. So one more year at least. Any other takes you want to get in before we get out of here, Jack? Not at all, mate. I'm just super-duper excited. I hope we get that win against Indiana come Tuesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday, night. Wednesday night, yep. I'm going to probably head to the home opener, so maybe I'll be able to do a little special Periscope or pod for you guys from there. But really looking forward to the season. Guys, let us know. Guys and girls, let us know how we did. You know, Tweet us at OTG Basketball. You can tweet me on my personal account at OTG underscore Nick. Let us know what you think. If there's questions you want us to answer, you know, do we do a good job? Do we do a bad job? Let us know. And as always, thank you for listening. And Jack, thank you for taking the time to do this. You're welcome, mate. Brooklyn, we go hard. Go Nets! Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.